Let's go. Hello, and welcome to Sustain Open Source Design. Is it Sustain Our Design? No, it's Sustain Open Source Design. Yes, yes. Sustain Open Source Design. SOS. <laughs> what are you calling <laughs> This is Sustain Open Source Design Podcast, where we talk about all things design and open source and how to sustain them. Today, as our guest, join us, Mr. Oleg Nenoshev. How are you today? I'm fine. Nice to meet you. And thanks a lot for inviting me. Great. And now in our host panel, joins us Ariel from Beautiful Bristol. Hello. And peace. AKA. All right. So yeah, today we have a nice conversation with current Jenkins maintainer, Oleg. But can you tell us a little bit about you and current work with Jenkins? Yeah, so it's quite a long story. I started using Hudson Jenkins in 2008. And actually, yeah, for me, it was always about automation. But yeah, what makes sense to mention that I started my career in design. But actually, it's hardware design. So I worked on embedded processor cores. I worked on electronic design automation tools and embedded systems. It was quite a nice experience. And actually, I worked with this uh, industrial design teams too. Then I switched my career a bit. So I started contributing to Jenkins because I needed to maintain it for my departments. And then I started contributing more and more. Then I got an offer from CloudBees, which is an enterprise vendor of Jenkins. And in 2015, I finally became a software engineer. And then one year later, I moved from Russia to Switzerland. And so it's about enterprise career and about open source. Basically, I kept working on Jenkins. I started participating more and more in the community, including various outreach programs, maintenance, community development. And by 2014, I became a core member of the project. And ever since I continued working on the CICD ecosystem. So when the continuous delivery foundation was started and the umbrella of Litmax Foundation, I also joined. Currently, I'm on the technical oversight committee. So we work not just with Jenkins, but with many other projects. But Jenkins still remains one of my favorite projects. If you ever uh, used Jenkins, uh, you definitely know that uh, its user experience is probably not perfect. Definitely uh, requires a lot of contributions to design and uh, we are trying to improve for this area of the community. And yeah, I'm happy to discuss it today. You do pretty much all the UX work in the automations done by Jenkins, am I right? So Jenkins is a huge community. So just provide you example, we have something like 2,500 repositories just in our main GitHub organization. The most of them are independent plugins maintained by their own developers. And also we have Jenkins core, basically all the foundation fund. So Jenkins is automation framework. And what happens for this system is that it doesn't provide the integrated user experience by default. So what you do, you take all this components, lab and paper, some automation, documentation, maybe some apply some styling. And after that, you get the final system for end users. And it has been historically a big problem for us because firstly, it's quite a big endeavor for onboarding for those. And secondly, it's also a big challenge for us as a project. We want to provide 
uh, the best possible user experience to all kinds of users, experienced users, newcomer users, and it requires completely different. So what I do in the project? Well, basically I'm mostly a developer. I am not really a front-end developer to start from, but still in our case, we do a lot of front-end development and probably explains some of, let's say, funky designs on our web layouts. Still, we try to improve our experience. So, for example, since we have many components, we want to somehow consolidate design, provide uh, common design patterns. So, at some point, uh, James Dumay, one of our uh, contributors, created Jenkins Design Language, which was basically a specification with a lot of UI and UX guidelines uh, for Jenkins contributors and developers. And uh, this has kept expanding. Uh, we created uh, several uh, experimental projects like Blotion, which intended to create completely new user experience. And finally, we started a user experience special just for Open Jenkins two years ago. So currently, it's multiple contributors that works on various topics related to design. For example, uh, they we work on look and feel improvements. So they coordinate in major efforts like iconography, styling, typography changes in the project. And currently, UX Special Interest Group is one of the main engines uh, driving user experience in the project. In my case, yeah, I'm rather chief leader there. I contribute here and there, I provide feedback. The vast majority effort is done by hundreds of contributors to the Jenkins project. I want to ask about something that is from your background, if that's okay, because I find it fascinating that you did hardware design as a PhD and have a background there. And I'm really curious just to know what kinds of processes or what kinds of design do you do in hardware design? And has anything been able to translate over into the kinds of things that you see now supporting designers in the Jenkins project that you do? Or is it completely different? That's completely different because hardware design is mostly about engineering work. So indeed, some design and art involved today, like the most of other engineering types of roles. But yeah, for me, the main objective there was to just create the most efficient, uh, suitable devices for use cases, so optimize for performance, for size. And basically, it's the same in software. And yeah, regarding the design part, so what's interesting, because actually when you do various hardware design, you use a lot of components, so they're quite reusable. And actually, uh, historically, when you get a well-looking system in terms of PCH, etc., it also works better. So I guess it applies to all kinds of design. Maybe initial planning is a proper approach you can get to better systems. I think I really wanted to ask that question and hear what your answer is, because I think my suspicion was that there was a a shared understanding or a shared approach to problem solving there between hardware design and software design and the kinds of things that you were doing. It became an industry standard for these days because there is no longer hardware projects anymore. All projects actually uh, mixed hardware, software projects. Well, uh, you see what happens with the uh, automotive industry, with IoT, basically everywhere. But without software, you cannot uh, do anything these days. And actually, the hardware products exactly the same uh, development approach as the software. It may be lagging behind a bit, but agile development, it's possible. A lot of organization gets adopted from open source. And even if you talk about standard practices like continuous delivery, developer operations, everything uh, also gets applied to hardware and open source too. 
So currently there is a lot of open source projects, some uh, huge funds, some whether it's particular topics like open architecture, maybe you've read about RISC-V, there is open source electronic design automation. And actually in these areas, there is also huge demand in open source designers because a lot of tooling definitely benefit from the user experience. Yeah, and I think I noticed something which was how your background in hardware design helps you be a supportive presence and an advocate for, as a developer, for the designers in the Jenkins project. And I don't know whether I'm reading between the lines and kind of sensing something here, but I saw that connection between how the background that you have and the appreciation that you have for design. And I think it's really wonderful. And I think different kinds of people with different kinds of background expertise can use it as a example and learn from it as an example of knowing that, oh yeah, there's ways that you can connect to designers in open source through lots of different kinds of backgrounds. One here, hardware design. So I think it's really cool to see that connection. Well, when we talk about open source communities, basically every kind of role is welcome. Designers, engineers, test because open source communities are huge and whatever background you have, whatever interest you have, you can find something to do there. Yes, currently it's October, so Oktoberfest is going on and the most of us get it multiple times, but yeah, open source doesn't encode and especially in the big projects. Maybe working on hardware helped me to appreciate it a bit more because I haven't started as a software engineer, so I've seen a lot of other roles, companies in different from software world, and yeah, it helped me to understand that the community is bigger. And then when I switched more and more to the community management, to field operations, it also helped a lot to work with people from different background who probably have never written a a line of code, but still remain very valuable uh, contributors uh, to open source communities. So I started as a researcher. I have PhD degree, well, in uh, hardware engineering automation. I got it uh, from St. Petersburg Polytechnic University. And the after that, I participated a bit in research projects related to hardware and software. But it would be fair to say that by now I mostly switched to the industry. So I'm still happy to help the students, the mentorship, for example, in Google Summer of Code, Google Season of Documentation, and other outreach programs. And I'm happy to do that. But yeah, regarding academic research, yeah, I wish I had more these days. Yeah, but I mean, you still do a research for Jenkins. How do you approach that kind of user research for Jenkins users? I mean, Jenkins users are like the teams of maintainers that of each project. They use the components, they read documentation, and that's also like the experience that Jenkins as a project provides, right? Definitely. And of course, we want to understand all kinds of user experience. We collect various usage stats. I'm not so happy about what we collect, but yeah, regarding contributions, social media, we use uh, standard tools like the Labs, coming LFX Insights. It's a new tool deployed by the Linux Foundation. Also, we collect a lot of contributor experience related to metrics. For user experience, it's a bit more complicated. We do have some analysis, so for example, for failures, etc. We can collect reports, even without users reporting for bug trackers. Of course, all that is anonymized and we can understand something. But still, it would be better to have more. Of course, one of the main challenges is documentation. 
because Jenkins has a huge documentation set. Unfortunately, not that many documentation contributors. So for us, it has been historically the biggest issue in terms of the user experience because everything was scattered. We started from Confluence, then we moved to the static website. We were not able to migrate everything at once. So we froze in the middle uh, rather than migrating that. And we started investing a lot uh, into various analytics to prioritize changes in our documentation. And we also provided way for users to quickly provide feedback. So currently, if you go to Jenkins.io website, you can report an issue in a few clicks. We also have Google Analytics with some background queries where we understand which pages are accessed more, what other pages missing. We can discover dead links and other leads. And it helps us to work on the user experience. At the same time, what I'm still missing, yeah, I'm currently on the Jenkins Governance Report. We miss direct communication because the project is huge. So there is bug tracker, of course, you can submit, you can go to the mailing list. We also have zillions of different chats, well, everywhere. So it's Slack, Telegram, Gitter, IRC, and it becomes a pitch from Apple users, actually. We're currently trying to solve it by introducing yet another communication platform, Discourse, like open source design. That's actually working quite well. But yeah, what may initial especially during COVID times, is direct communication with users. Because before that, we had a lot of conferences, meetups, and yeah, it becomes difficult these days. So we still organize a lot of online meetups, but we struggle to get a format which would end users engaged. We can definitely work with contributors, summits, pubs, a lot of useful discussions. But for end users, it's much more complicated. We started doing inverse meetups when we basically organize end user panel, when we invite one or two users or user companies to present their story about Jenkins. And we have contributors listening. So we expect everyone to basically just do presentation, share their concerns, share their vision about how the project should evolve. And it helps us to understand the gaps and also it helps us to communicate what happens in the project. because. Many things could be more transparent. We currently have a public roadmap. We currently have a lot of announcements. We try to do blogs, we manage social media, but again, all of it with contributors. So just getting the direct validation from users, what is valuable, what's not, is still very important for us. So from this meeting, you talk, you've mentioned so much about Jackie's main and inclusive or what I got from a lot of things like you said is that Jenkins is actually like really inclusive when it comes to like contributions and all. And then you've mentioned some part of contributions like giving feedback or getting people in the community to give feedbacks in projects, which is one way we will actually make contributions to that project. Well, how would you describe the contribution process for people who want to actually participate in design work or research work or want to help the team in one way and other? trying to solve those issues that were created or feedbacks that were given back to the community, to the project rather. So in Jenkins, we created a special portal for onboarding new contributors. It's Jenkins.io slash participate. And there we have a page specifically for design. So Jenkins.io slash participate slash design. And this page was created a few years ago. And I would say that it it could be improved for it and expanded because I originally this page was actually focused on artwork and we haven't uh, edited uh, all of it. It's uh, on my list for October 1st. Uh, there is a ticket somewhere. So this page could also improve. 
But our general approach to design and all kinds of other contributors is basically provide potential contributor roles means their slice of opportunities in the communities that are interesting for them. So if you're interested in design, you can choose, for example, if you're interested in artwork, various requirements, we always design new logos, there is various uh, typography, iconography work uh, you could join. Uh, there is user experience. You're going to invite everyone. But uh, there are also more challenging topics because yeah, user experience is much more than just artwork and much more than a uh, look and feel. And for that, we have several projects listed on our user experience seat page. For example, we work on accessibility to improve web interfaces across the board. Many Jenkins interfaces were created 15 years ago and requirements changed completely. For example, mobile devices, there are plugins for voice control, etc. And we try to improve all of that. And again, it's a part of user experience seek efforts. So the page I shared definitely needs to be improved. But our flow is that whomever is interested, this starts from participate page. Then you find something interesting. And we intend to provide as many communication channel links as possible so that you don't get lost in communication channels, which is always a problem. Let's see how our consolidation on this course works. But yeah, now it's a bit challenging for us. Yeah, I'm having a look at the special interest group website and we'll make sure that we put it in the show notes as well. But it's really comprehensive history of what the special interest group did. Mm-hmm. And so folks listening that are designers that are interested in contributing, there's notes all the way back to 2019 of different meetings that have been had about user experience around Jenkins. And I think my follow-up question is, I found in some of my own personal work with how to bring more designers into the open source space for it to do contributions. What I found is that there are a lot of designers that really want to contribute. And I think that my fellow panelists of host panelists have found this as well. There's a lot of people that want to contribute, but don't quite know how to start or get overwhelmed with sometimes lots of information. And there needs to be to some extent, or does there need to be to some extent, this supportive mentoring process within open source projects? And how have you found that within Jenkins? Is it sustainable? Is there a particular way that it can be done better to be more sustainable? Because I found it very hard to sustain a good process for helping get designers into open source projects. I totally confirm that. So we could do much better. And for us, um, basically it includes two parts. Firstly, help potential contributors and potential work items to find each other. This is one of the areas. And secondly, is mentoring people. So the first area is something I started working on and it belongs to my hall of shame because, yeah, well, I just left, but yeah, I joined the open source design community and my general intent was to create tasks for potential designers just on the open source design side. So instead of listing everything from our community side where it's discoverable, engage with this open source design communities so that we as a project represented there and may participate in these activities because it's a natural forum for designers and we can be a part of that. Pretty much like we do with documentation, we also do such with quality assurance, we participate in related communities. So why don't we do this with this design? It would help us to onboard new contributors, especially during events like October 1st, because there is a lot of people who participate and who didn't, do not even know that you can work on design and still get a Hacktoberfest t-shirt. 
or same for other events so like meetups, etc. For example, in Nash Hotel where I live, we have a user experience meetup and they, we already did a few walkthrough in Jenkins just to get feedback from beginner designers from universities and see how it could improve. The second part is more complicated mentoring because in order to do mentoring, you need to still have some expertise in design or at least some vision in design. We hit the same issues in Google Summer of Code because Basically, there are two parts of mentoring when it comes to open source. Firstly, mentoring just open source community members. So helping them to engage with this community, learn how communities work, adopt the culture and participation. This part is general. And this part can be done by everyone, by every country. This is what we try to do with all the events. The second part is related to specific design work and mentoring for a specific project. So if we take out Google Summer of Code terminology, it would be rather a technical advisor. So let's say it would be design advisor or something like that. So a person who knows how the design works, what are the design practices in a particular community, in a particular project, and provides insights regarding this site. We definitely need more such people in the Jenkins community. We have several people who drive open source apart. For example, Uli Hafner from Germany, Kinja Kompos, creates a lot in design. And uh, there are many other contributors who help newcomers, but still making it a kind of consistent effort with people dedicating time to it. It's still something we need to resolve. We were talking about doing our own mentorship program for aspiring designers in Jenkins this autumn, but we haven't got to that because, yeah, too many changes for everyone, but yeah, it's still on our list. So the idea is basically to do something like Jenkins season of design. Yeah, and we have for money so far, again, for finding administrative uh, capacity. So the same contributions that you would look at for Jenkins are like actually for the projects, for projects to find some design support and to improve like each, each automatization with the Jenkins system. Just to provide you some numbers, Jenkins has 250,000 operations across the world, actually even more, and more than 4 million end users, according to our statistics. And yeah, it's mostly automation engineers, etc. Jenkins still dominates on automation markets, CICB, and it's a huge number of users. Yeah, all these users see the design. So for us, it's quite a strong position because if you contribute to Jenkins, basically you get a lot of visibility and you can make a lot of impact by contributing. And uh, yeah, you have so many people in the Jenkins community who find their job thanks to their contributions, well, including me, to be honest. And uh, yeah, it's okay. So for us, one of the objectives is to provide opportunities and to make them visible. For making them visible, again, I will highlight that it's open source design community and other communities. So we don't want to create a new one. We rather want to integrate and establish collaboration between communities. I have a question which I might not phrase correctly, because even though I've been in the open source space for a few years, I still don't quite fully understand terms like upstream and downstream and things like that. But, you know, we're all on our own learning journey. But a question that I wanted to ask around how these Jenkins projects are kind of built and designed and maintained by these groups of people working on a specific kind of instance of Jenkins. I'm curious to know how they get contribute 
are they pushed back into core? What's the process of it being pushed back into core? Is that something that actually the design effort struggles to understand? Because I'm only just starting to understand what it means to make design contribution changes to something that has instances of a core. And therefore, when you try and make UX improvements, it can get really complicated really fast when you try and make improvements to something which has potentially different conflicting parts of the same open source. How have you found that works with the different kinds of designers that work on the different kinds of pieces of Jenkins? And apologies if my terminology was not exactly correct, but I think you get my meaning. (laughs) Yep. So for us, yes, quite a challenge because Jenkins is very complicated project. So we have 2,500 components, 1,800 open source plugins. More than half of them by include some kind of UI and uh, for CLI APIs, which yeah, REST APIs, it also becomes a part of user experience these days. So basically the most of the plugins. So if you are a Jenkins end user, if you want to contribute to design, for you, the first challenge is to find how to contribute and where to contribute. So for that, uh, ideally, Jenkins uh, IOS should answer the question. And we try to answer this question on the code side. But uh, on the design side, we definitely don't answer that. And it's a very good point to consider in the future. Basically, our contribution flow works. So if you're an experienced contributor, you probably know if you just start, then uh, there is a link to a newcomer channel on GitHub. So basically, you go there, you say that here's my problem. I don't know what to do. And somebody will advise. We have multiple contributors, including me, who committed to participate in this channel, monitor the request and respond. So basically, this is our current way to help newcomers to find a way to fix it. But it's far from ideal. And we, we definitely need to improve. We did some improvements, for example, for localization. So for localization, uh, there is translation assistance plugin in Jenkins. In the very beginning, it used to basically provide an interface, basically development layout right inside of the web interface. You were able to do localization, to apply it to your instance right away. And then uh, to submit a patch to the Jenkins community. Currently, this flow needs to be adjusted a bit, but it has been quite helpful. And I would envision something like that for design as well. So for example, uh, you just go to the web browser. If we talk about web UI, uh, see something wrong, and then basically go to a section of this page and somehow get the locators for components represented there. So for example, uh, maybe in conjunction with developer tools so that you can easily find where to contribute. So, for example, yeah, you see an opponent, there uh, is a glitch, you see an icon, for example, uh, a GIF with a white background, and you're on the dark theme. You click on this icon and you get a redirect to a component where this icon is located and preferably just to the page on GitHub or, or with this particular component. It's a challenge to implement, but I think that for end uh, users, it would be a great way to contribute without having much expertise. Because we could boil down everything, just having a GitHub account and we resolve a lot of navigation issues for you. So I'm like going back to the flow for designers that you mentioned, because I think it's really interesting that the user base you describe, it's like huge, you know, massive. There's a huge room for designers to contribute to a project like Jenkins. So I have a couple of questions. First one is, do you accept or will you accept and or encourage design contributions for the Jenkins project itself to the website and to stuff that happens visually. I'm talking not just about like images, but like information architecture, again, user experience, that kind of stuff. 
or are you focusing more that projects using the Jenkins system get some support facing design and, and UX, UI challenges? So what do we do? Firstly, we're interested in all kinds of contributions. It's not just code. So what you mentioned high-level design, etc. This is definitely what we are lacking. So usually how it happens in communities, there are various enterprise vendors that build their products on the top of open source. And usually such contributions are delivered by these vendors. And we have multiple of them in the Jenkins community, but still it's very difficult to coordinate. And sometimes something that is not a priority basically doesn't get a lot of attention. And any designer, if you, for example, want to contribute, you can join the community, like user experience, discuss your idea. And then document this idea, for example, in Jenkins, we have Jenkins enhancement proposal process which is very close to the Python community process and non-code or design contribution like spec, like this kind of design guidelines or specifically developer documentation, helping the users to properly design and implement components in Jenkins. This would be very helpful. And if anybody is ready to contribute, it will be great. Yeah. Following up on that, how hard will you think it is for a designer like UX or UI or a graphic designer to one, get in touch with a project like Jenkins. Uh, imagine that a designer that comes from a creative background and has no idea about code and open source code and that kind of stuff. But, you know, there are a lot of people that I know, and I'm, I'm sure my friend panelists here do also, that our a lot of designers are starting to know this open source world on both code and design, and they want to engage, but... If you don't know anything about this world, it's like, sometimes it seems that it's hard to enter and know the players in the scene and, and know how your skill set might be useful for anyone. <laughs> how do you think that these entry barriers can be lowered for, you know, like non-initiated designers in the open source world? So first of all, uh, providing a good onboarding experience. So like we mentioned, uh, participation guidelines, newcomer-friendly issues, or some kind of mentorship, but also providing designers. But you need to use the tools they know. Because uh, yeah, when we work with other developers, developers, we actually are quite flexible in terms of tools. You can create Jenkins plugins in Java, well, Ruby, you are able to create and Kotlin. And basically the same uh, with designers. So if we set strict requirements, then we actually uh, make the bar for entry higher and we try to reduce it where possible. We don't have contributor license agreement uh, requirement for the most of the components. We don't require expert knowledge of Git, uh, like branching strategy, etc. You can just go on GitHub and uh, contribute. You can join a chat, contribute. And you can use whatever tool and uh, for us, historically tools is a big issue because in open source design tools for the open source ones, but uh, the most of the industry is used to tools like Whimsical, etc. And uh, yeah, for us, somehow resolving that is a local question. But what we, I would like to see that anyone who works on design, you say using standard tools, uh, can just join the project and start contributing somewhere. So without starting something new specific for the project and adopting industry or standard technologies is one way to that. So for example, uh, if you talk about front-end, currently we can slip it around material design, around the standard components in the React ecosystem, so that more design contributors and web UI developers could just take standard tools and do that. 
And we want to see the same for everything else. So my last question would be someone who is sort of like a maintainer for a very wide range of contribution pipelines. What challenges would you say that you face as a maintainer? I, I heard you mention one of them as a lack of having more experienced designers who are maintaining the project. So more experienced maintainers who are designers on the project. What other um, challenges do you think you face as someone who has managed just more range of contribution guidelines and how do you think um, would be the best approach for organizations to approach this challenge? So generally, it's great to have a lot of contributors, but to have a lot of, of contributors, you need to scale because you need reviewers, you need mentors, and to do that, basically, you need to have uh, community leadership and you need to have uh, community leadership importing flow, which allows you to grow and scale as a community. So that's why, for example, when I started doing cool summer of code, my main point was not about onboarding students as contributors. It's great. Uh, we are happy to share experience. We're happy to share them in the community. But for us, as Jenkins community, one of my objectives was to onboard the individual plugin maintainers to a wider community. So instead of maintaining separate components somewhere on the outskirts of the system or basically being isolated, we wanted to make them really a part of the community working on Jenkins as a whole. And basically developing such onboarding flows, mentorship flows is something I would like to see more and more happening in open source projects because well, it's basically the same everywhere. And no, it doesn't matter design, uh, code, etc. You need community leaders, you need mentors, you need cheerleaders, you need basically a lot of program managers, regardless of what you do. People who could help uh, and coordinate work of many people, especially in such diverse and distributed environment like open source, where you have volunteers, where you have people on payroll working out for vendors, where you have just end users who participate and try to fix something in them. And yeah, having community leadership is what you need for all of that. So for me, this is one of the biggest objectives. And like it's uh, say at some talks, well, my main goal is to make uh, Jenkins the best place to contribute. So yeah, community leadership and uh, all the roles for the communities, what I would like to see. I really love this chat. This is a lot about community building. And I think there are huge room for designers to work on that space because, yeah, it's something that we wonder every day, how to strengthen the bonds of our communities to make people feel comfortable about going out there and, and find projects and contribute. But yeah, it's great to have opinions like yours on that regard. Thanks a lot. I think it's time for wrapping up. We have a special section before saying goodbye, which is the spotlight where we drop a spotlight on a project that we like and has helped us in the past. It can be an open source, but it's fine it's, if it's not. Or you know, it can be like a recommendation of a book or a series that inspired you in any way. And it's pretty open, <laughs> the stuff that we put on spotlight. So I guess I can start with my spotlight. I want to put the spotlight on library of open source typefaces that I sometimes use both to inspire and also to experiment and that kind of stuff. Typeface work is tricky, so you kind of want to experiment with a lot of things or making a final decision. So these kind of projects are really useful for that. 
the link is openfoundry.com really easy so yeah it's a nice collection of open source typefaces to experiment Ariel do you have your spotlight ready I do I would love to spotlight some of hot MSM's design repositories so there are two that will link in the show notes there is one from HotOSM, which is their design system, which is a little bit more populated than the second one, which is their design strategy. And if you're unfamiliar with HotOSM, it's humanitarian open street map. So this is a lot of the open mapping base layers and a lot of open mapping is done on humanitarian open street map alongside loads of other awesome projects. But I think the reason that I'm spotlighting it is because you find a lot of projects have repositories for design systems, if they've engaged with design within their open source, they've either got a repository about design contributions or their design system, which is usually like their UI or the frameworks that they use or the front end. But very rarely you see a whole repository, even if it's sparsely populated at the moment, dedicated to design strategy, which I think is a really great thing to take forward into most projects. So that's my spotlight for today. So my spotlight for today is uh, the chaos project. I mean, I've been seeing the chaos project around for a while, but I haven't really like taken a deep dive into it. Recently started doing that and I'd say that they're actually doing a lot of amazing work. They're trying to come up with metrics that will probably just keep your open source projects or your open source community really healthy. So that's a big reason why I'm spotlighting them today because they're doing a lot of work and they pushed out so many metrics or like different sections, event organizers, PRO, like just a lot. So I, I feel like it's actually very interesting. And if anyone has a time, just like look through it. But it does sound like a very interesting project. Alec, do you have some project? Do you want to drop a spot that gun? Uh, yes, I do. Or maybe two projects if you don't mind. Uh, so not at all. No. Them is Apache Maven and its community. Because yeah, Apache Maven uh, is uh, one of the clones of Java ecosystem. Uh, yeah, not just Java, used to build hardware with Maven. Don't ask me how, it's a separate topic. But yeah, there are just a few dozens of active contributors in the core. Yeah, maybe several thousands in the entire Maven ecosystem. And I would like to say a big thanks to all of them because yeah, many of end users don't see your work, but as developers, we are happy to use Maven every day. We are happy to contribute back and we appreciate all the maintenance work you're doing. And the second is, of course, it's Fosdal. Because yeah, for me, Fosdom was actually one of the career changing events because the first time I went to Fosdom, I believe it was 2015 or 2016. It was just a shocking experience for me to discover that there are tens of thousands of open source contributors, different projects, collaborating with each other, doing a lot of fun conference discussions, doing a lot of social events. And basically visiting Fosdom was one of the definitely helped me to bond with open source community and open source culture a lot more. And I'm looking forward to the edition of Fosdom next year. Hopefully it will be in person, but even if it's online, I'm going by that often or live. Thanks a lot to all organizers of this event. Great. I guess with that, we can wrap up our conversation. Thanks again, Oleg. This was an amazing one and it went uh, smoothly. So yeah, thanks again for that. And I think we'll see you online. We'll have to keep in touch. Thanks for inviting. 